Welcome to the Propane Business Podcast. I'm Johnny. And I'm Yusuf. We set up and built propanefitness.com into the profitable semi-automated system that it is today, which allowed us to quit our corporate jobs and coach online full-time. More importantly, we were able to do this without a huge online audience or being glued to social media every day. We're now ready to share everything from the failures we've made to the systems that now consistently generate hundreds of thousands in revenue. We help personal trainers, coaches, and gym owners do the same by avoiding the mistakes we've made and the best practices going forward. Subscribe to this podcast to learn what we're doing and what we've done to build and scale propanefitness.com. We'll be teaching you how to generate a steady flow of online clients, win at Facebook ads, automate your coaching systems, and to achieve financial independence. Good afternoon. Welcome back to the Propane Business Podcast. Unfortunately, you are stuck with just me because Johnny has COVID this week, um, despite being the most compliant that I've that I've seen anyone with all the COVID regulations, and he's managed to somehow catch it. So he's got a bit of a sore throat and a cough. So uh, instead, <laughs> we have an absolute treat for you today, which is Armani Talks. Armani is a guy who I've been following on Twitter for some time and just seeing the way that he nails personal branding and marketing and he just does it right. He's a guy who's carved out a clear niche and I'm hoping that we can have two layers to this podcast because I think what he has to teach is just as valuable as how he's done it. Um, It's a very smart niche as well because what, what he teaches is public speaking, storytelling, creativity, social dynamics and emotional intelligence. And so all of those kind of soft skills that people don't put enough attention into, and yet everyone talks, everyone interacts with other people. It's just that most people are not aware of the degree to how shit they are at that task, (laughs) at that activity. So um, his social media kind of takes people through from being problem unaware to solution aware and very smoothly into buying his products as well. So Armani, thank you for coming on. Thank you, Yusuf, for having me on. I'm looking forward to our discussion. So can you tell us a bit about your your story? Because I think what's what's really interesting and makes you so credible in this is that you're not a natural. You're someone who used to be very bad at the skill that you now teach and you've you've became so much better. And I think it's it's learning from someone who has been able to like upgrade themselves several several levels is so much more valuable than someone who is kind of unconsciously competent right so my story is very unorthodox especially in terms of soft skills because i had three things which were set against me number one english is not first language i moved from a different country to the us so that was number one number two was that I was extremely shy growing up. So this was something else that was a hindrance. And number three was that I was in a very hard skills dominant field, which is engineering. So all those three surprisingly went from being weaknesses to becoming strengths later on because it allowed me to empathize with people in a different degree. So the beginning of my story basically is about culture shock, going from Bangladesh to the United States, spending some years working on my English, trying to fix my accent. And as I progressed, um, there was a strong period in my life when I had speech anxiety and social anxiety at the same time. I decided that one of the best ways in order to work on this issue, when a Toastmasters, have you ever heard of that club? 
Yes, it's an international speaking club. Is that right? That's correct. So the first time I went, I choked my first speech. I ran away for two to three months. I didn't think about going back until I decided to go back. And that's when the whole Armani Talks journey began. Uh, that's when you know I went from being a guest to recruitment chair to working my way up to being a mentor and eventually becoming the external vice president of the club. And alongside then, I was also working on my engineering field, which gave me the opportunity to uh, learn how engineers communicate in a very hard skills field. So around 2018, I thought I would gather all my insights and combine it into Armani Talks, which nowadays helps engineers and uh, traditionally introverted entrepreneurs uh, clarify their ideas, get their message out there so they can express what they do without hesitancy in their voice. I traditionally do this through short stories, through short story books, YouTube, blog, tweets, etc. And uh, three years strong, so planning on for much longer as well. Nice man, yeah. And seeing your growth on this as well, like the you're absolutely cranking out the the content with with YouTube and, and Twitter, and it's it's impressive to see. So it looks like the 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 journey that you've taken was really solving your own personal problem, like scratching your own itch in a sense that you identified something that you personally struggled with. And rather than what I see a lot of people in science and engineering fields do, which is kind of retreat into the things which they're strong at, you know, the, right. the mathematical kind of um, systems-based thinking and, and ignoring a lot of the interpersonal, musical, spiritual, communication style thinking, and just kind of staying in the little safe zone. But as you say, that by by identifying and expanding into those other soft skills in something like an engineering field, you're suddenly so much more advantaged. You you have so much more um, tools at your disposal, and um, you, you've 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 allowed yourself a lot more career options too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Especially in the engineering field, what's happening nowadays with automation and technology getting better and better is that jobs which were extremely relevant in engineering four to five years ago nowadays can be done with a PowerShell script in 15 seconds. So unfortunately, I've seen a lot of people get fired from their jobs that they've been working on for 17 plus years just because automation came into the game. And this is happening in multiple different engineering fields. So when something like this is happening, it's a clear indicator that you should be adjusting. You'll see different people that start to form. One group is starting to say, well, this is how it's always been done. Why do I have to learn this? It wasn't part of my job description. Why do I need to learn how to write, how to speak, and how to be a little bit more empathetic? While another group is like, I got to learn. Otherwise, I'm going to get fired. Because automation can easily outsource something that can be turned into a procedure. But you can't necessarily outsource the ability to give a speech. You can't outsource the ability to build rapport through writing skills. These are stuff that nowadays with the advancement in technology, ironically, is showing that you got to become a better communicator, not only offline, but online as well. That's interesting. You got people that double down on the like, well, no, this is what I've done and I don't care. I'm just going to kind of cover my ears and, and stick the course. Or you get people that recognize that if they, if they don't adapt, 
they're going to make themselves obsolete to automation. Oh, yeah. So I'll just tell you a quick little story. So in my last company, there was this pretty young girl, I would say in her early 30s, which is automatically very unusual in the engineering field. It's mainly a male-dominated industry, and a lot of the people are older. So she was technically okay. I would say technically advanced, but she was extremely gifted with soft skills. And the team that she worked with were people much older than her. Uh, they've been in the industry for a couple of years, and we're starting to expect stuff. They were like, okay, well, I've been here for 15, 20 years. When am I going to get a team? When am I going to start you know, having people operating underneath me? And they kept asking those type of questions where the other girl, Melanie, was like, how can I start networking with the right people and start working and building relationships with operations? And, you know, as I left that company, I got a call from one of my coworkers from like two to three years ago. And all those people who were initially working with Melanie now work underneath her. And she commands a team of like 350 people. So it just goes to show you that, you know, if you're going to just stick your heels into the ground, just keep doing what's always been done then eventually you're just digging your own grave, especially how fast the world's moving nowadays. That is interesting. One person was process-focused and the other was people-focused. And you saw the, the outcome over the years. Yeah, and it's like with engineering, it's not as though you could be a complete dud once it comes to the technical field. Like you got to understand the technical aspects. You got to be able to you know, roll your sleeves up and do the work. But that's not to say that you should completely neglect another side. What I've came to see is it really depends on your desire. You want to move up, being okay in technical and being okay in soft skills will be much better than being extremely gifted in technical and being a complete dud in soft skills. So in terms of the the people, most people listening to this podcast, for example, will be either an offline personal trainer, or some kind of um, health or fitness expert coaching something in, in some way. Um, is there anything that you see universally that uh, as a skill that you see just executed woefully badly? Oh, yeah. I mean, one of them is the art of public speaking or talking to a camera. So with your audience, do a lot of them have to record videos, for example? Well, that, that's that's one of the big things that I think people shy away from. And so the videos are either very scripted or very stiff, or they'll just avoid it entirely and stick with the, the Instagram selfie and hoping someone DMs me approach. Yeah. So see, that's one thing that I see multiple industries shy away from every now and then is because a lot of their talking is scripted. So I believe one of the skill sets that it doesn't matter which industry you're in, engineering, fitness, you could be in the lawn mowing industry, learn the art of impromptu speaking, which is the ability to speak without any form of preparation. And this is um, a highly slept on field because it seems as though like normally when you think, oh, this person didn't prepare, this person must be lazy. While in reality, it actually shows a strong skill set because you can adjust. And this is a cornerstone habit that's going to make you a better public speaker, a better writer, 
And whenever the recording light is on, you're not going to feel extremely nervous. So for your fitness audience, I recommend that they improve their impromptu speaking skills. And here's an exercise. Pick any topic. You could go on Google and just type in random topic generator. It'll spit out a bunch of topics. Create small little talks on it, roughly 30 seconds to one minute. And the more that you keep doing that, the more that you build the impromptu speaking skills muscle, and you're going to feel much more comfortable in business deals along with recording a YouTube video. That's, that, that, is, a, that is a good exercise to try because I think just being thrown into the deep end and doing it in a low pressure situation as well. And I think what, what, what's come to mind there with a lot of people's fears, especially if they are a coach or wanting to, to help someone achieve a specific result is either imposter syndrome or feeling like they have to come across as perfect online that everything has to be super polished and i think this is part of the instagram culture that everything's airbrushed and looking as as perfect as possible and um but i think that fear of being of not being perfect is is crippling for many people and they just end up not not doing anything at all or just shying away from the entire medium of video mm -hmm. yeah i mean that's things that hold people back the most the imposter syndrome whether it's in skill set or whether it's in terms of delivery but in either situation this is one of the first generations that we have where we're seeing people progress in real time a lot of the times for example i don't know how often you guys watch let's say mainstream media or just broadcast journalism over there is it something that's popular or not really it's i mean it, it's popular in the kind of middle age to older generations but um I mean, I, I don't have a TV, for example. I think uh, I think that's becoming phased out. I imagine it's the same over there. Yeah, it's virtually the same. But uh, traditionally, when you see a lot of those people speak, you'll notice that they're speaking without any form of errors. And it's easy to be like, oh, well, when I'm starting a YouTube channel, I got to be like one of those guys. But we don't see what happens behind the scenes. A lot of these people have teams and teams creating their content for them. There's a teleprompter. They're reading uh, line for line off a teleprompter. That's not undermining what they do. It just goes on to show that we may have the tendency to compare ourselves to someone who's in a completely different journey than us. And that's how imposter syndrome forms in the first place. One thing that I've realized regarding imposter syndrome is you just got to get your reps in. Because, I mean, just looking at you, you're a pretty fit guy, right? It seems like you take the gym pretty seriously. <laughs> you, got, you got the muscle. It's the same exact thing with communication skills. If you could view it more as an athlete rather than an artist, then you start to put way more emphasis on repetitions. Like repetition, repetition, repetition. And that's eventually what overpowers imposter syndrome. Whether you feel it or not, that's one thing. I'm sure you still feel pain whenever you're going to the gym. But you oh, still yeah. push on the reps. Exactly. And it's the same exact concept with YouTube, with recording a podcast, with asking someone uh, to do an interview for your podcast. Identical concept. That's, that's a very good point about putting in the reps. Like a lot of people want to fix imposter syndrome 
but before they've done anything, you're like, well, you're not supposed to feel confident. Like you haven't done anything to, right. <laughs> to earn that. Like go and do some stuff. And then you earn that confidence rather than like amping yourself up to like, to do something where you, of course you're going to be, you're going to be rubbish the first few times. And luckily with Instagram video, with YouTube, like you have the, the luxury of being able to edit, you know, you don't, it doesn't have to be like, a live monologue first time i think that's the 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 hardest that's that's doing doing video on hard mode and if Mm -hmm. you can just do like a a video that you can take some time between lines you can rehearse things a little bit and then edit it down and then eventually over time you take away the the stabilizers on your bike and and there you go yeah i mean if you could just warm yourself up to it and just make it uh, i would say in terms of let's just keep on going with the recording videos example. If you could have two phases, a dark phase and a light phase, the dark phase is when you record videos behind the scenes. And one of the ideas that I've been pushing with the Armani Talks brand is called the private YouTube channel. I don't know if you're aware of this, but YouTube actually allows a feature where you could upload videos, but make it private. This is what I call the dark zone. And in this zone, you start to understand which ideas you stand for. You start to clarify your ideas. Uh, you start to record in a way without fear of failure. And the more time that you spend on the dark zone, the more times in the light zone, you feel less discomfort. And the basic premise of the light zone is one thing. You just got to hit publish. If you don't do that, then you didn't accomplish that one little step. Nice. Yeah, so you're 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 doing that as almost practice reps without without any consequence and then you can flip the switch later absolutely it's like with a bodybuilding show you don't just go on the stage and start flexing in front of a bunch of people overnight (laughs) there's a whole bunch of reps done behind the scenes so it's the same exact concept yeah for sure i think one of the other big factors in people's perfectionism or being afraid to put themselves out there is that that it's it's the false assumption that all the stuff that's going on inside your head when you're talking to a group of people or doing a video or something, all the stuff of like, am I doing something weird with my hands? And, um, oh, you know, I, I've stumbled on that word or whatever. All that stuff takes up, say, 80, 90% of your your mental headspace. But for the audience, they don't care about that stuff. They're, they're completely forgiving of it. They may not even notice because they're focused on what is the stuff that this person is talking about like i've clicked on this video because i want to get leaner this month or i want to figure out how to make a protein recipe or whatever it is right so who how you're coming across is totally secondary to that yet it takes up so much mental bandwidth for the person speaking that it can be crippling (laughs) oh yeah i mean most of communication is just about putting the idea in front of you uh, the person And this is one of the most difficult things for the ego because the ego is whispering, wait, wait, you're trying to put something in front of me? I'm also supposed to be number one. That's just how the ego exists. So constantly training it to be number second is work. But eventually you get to a point where the idea does come in front of the the person. And one great example of this is Barack Obama, where when he first started his presidential career, there was a video of David Letterman 
who was a big talk show host in the U.S. around that time. He was basically making fun of Obama for saying uh, at least 30 times in a, I would say like a two-minute interview. 30 times, which is staggering for a president. You would expect a president not to make such a beginner error so many times. But he, he did make that error. And people still consider Obama one of the finest orators of our time. Because as he progressed in his presidential career, he still says, um, he still says so like uh, multiple times, but consistently he aims to put his idea in front of Obama, the person. And that's what people are looking out for. Some people are going to probably judge him by what he's wearing, that kind of stuff. But that's always the minority. Most people just want to understand your idea and they'll evaluate you second. Yeah. And if someone wants to pick holes in something, they're, they're going to find something. Like you can't make yourself totally bulletproof. Right. And it's, it's, it's the thing with online where if you have an abundance mentality towards people, you should sort of be happy when certain people unfollow you or certain people are like, hey, this isn't for me. Because now it's giving up more time for the people who do like you. As attention scales, there's always three groups that form. One group loves you, one group despises you, and one group is indifferent towards you. What should be done is to focus on group number one, who loves you, and just to keep amplifying that. But what plenty of people do is they dwell on the second two groups. They try to get the people who don't like them to love them, or the people who are indifferent towards them to like them. And it's just wasting time and money. And it's never going to happen. I think that was a big mistake we made early on, trying to get people to, to try not to offend anyone, trying to be as like as PG as possible. And, um, you know, it, it would never, it would never convert anyone over. Or if it did, it was really the minority. And as you say, just focusing on saying your authentic message and letting the chips fall where they do is so much more relaxing and so much easier to do. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And multiple people went because of that. It's just because you're not necessarily chasing people. You're putting your message out there. And content surprisingly serves as energy in itself. It's digital energy, but it's energy nevertheless. So it's a form of content marketing, also known as attraction marketing, which allows other people to win with you as well. So can you talk to us about your your content strategy and some of the this stuff about content being energy, because I think you framed this with a really good attitude to start with, which is that, you know, focus on the people who will be your potential customers and will be your, your fans. Don't worry about the, the haters and the neutrals, because if the neutrals like you, they they'll convert to you and they'll follow you. And if they don't, they'll just unfollow and there's no, no drama. Like I'm, you know, you've got a big following. I'm sure you, I'm sure you get the occasional troll and stuff, but um, mm. they're not, yeah, they're not really worth the the energy um, right so we've got and it'd be good to talk about trolls in a second as well actually but but we but you've got this this framing the the idea of using using the dark zone and the light zone effectively to to practice your content getting rid of the perfectionism the imposter syndrome so this is all the great kind of framing for the the attitude that you come from now in terms of creating the content and and building your audience how have you 
how have you done that over the last few years? Sure. So one thing that I have philosophy is never to rely on just one traffic source. Uh, a lot of the, the mantras you hear, let's say money Twitter talk about, is never rely on one income stream. My philosophy is don't rely on one traffic source. Uh, that's just personally with me. Because traffic, uh, whatever, like whether it's Twitter, a podcast, YouTube, you'll notice that sometimes it's all favoring you. Sometimes it's like it's not favoring you. You're not getting the impressions, all that kind of stuff. So from the very beginning, I try to have a multimedia approach. So I have a Twitter, I have a blog, I have a YouTube, a podcast, and an email list. Now, initially, for some of your listeners, they may be like, whoa, that's a lot. Sure, it may be a lot for a beginner, but it's something that I worked up to. In the beginning, I started off with a Twitter, and I consistently expanded from there. Now, once you start off with a, I call this the base of your strategy. For me, it was Twitter, then I expanded. Then you want to start thinking about a content creation schedule. So every Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, whether I feel like it or not, I'm going to upload a YouTube video just because it's a part of my strategy. Every Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, whether I feel like it or not, I'm going to upload a podcast. Every Sundays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays, I'm going to upload a blog, whether I feel like it or not. And simply by systematizing this process, I give myself more time to be creative because now I could be like, someone can ask me, what are you doing six Wednesdays from now? And I'll say, oh, I, I don't know my exact day, but I know somewhere in that day, I'm going to be recording a YouTube video. So when you systematize this process, you give your mind less time to dwell over oh no, uh, I haven't posted on YouTube in a while. I haven't posted on podcast in a while and blog in a while. Instead, you're just laying brick by brick. And by doing the strategy for over two to three years now, I currently have, with this simple strategy that I just gave, I have over 50,000 tweets, 300 videos, uh, 250 blogs, 250 podcasts, which all can make passive income. If you're a little strategic with it, and that's pretty much my approach. So this also, uh, Yusuf, uh, is capable of giving you a more a fearless attitude as well. Rather than being always like, oh my God, like this tweet didn't get over 10 likes. Like, I guess, I guess I'm fair. You have a more holistic view of your entire brand. It's kind of with fitness. I know I'm using the fitness analogies a lot but I just wanted to keep it on works uh, well, brand. Yeah. yeah, it's a guy that either always works his arm and if he only works his arm, uh, then the rest of his body gets neglected. But when you adopt a holistic approach to your body, now you start to feel whole. You start to feel confident. So when you have multimedia approach over time, I think it's a great strategy to never be overly dependent on an algorithm. For you, for example, you have podcast and Twitter, automatically you have two. I don't know if you have an email list or anything else, but two is better than one, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty prolific content strategy that you've got there. I think bashing out a, a YouTube video three times a week plus podcast and everything else is, is huge. But I'm sure that's something that you know you can you can build up to over time. But as you say, it reduces the, the pressure because 
rather than thinking, oh, you know, this is the the YouTube video of the month, and if it if it flops, then I'm you know I've I've failed and everything, and it's it's much lower pressure to be like, ah, oh, it's just just bashing out another single rather than having to hit it out of the park on every single attempt. Um, and one one big blockage that I see with coaches is that they'll be building up to some kind of launch, whether it's a product launch or a bit of content or something, and it'll just stay on their hard drive for months and possibly forever because they want it to be absolutely perfect. It's like mm -hmm. done is better than perfect. So I think that's a great reminder to just just get it out there. And then you have more data. You can figure out what's working. You can then use the the feedback that you're getting from the number of views and likes and so on to be like, oh, okay, that video did really well and that one did terribly. Why is that? Like, was it was it the way I came across or was it more of the um, the framing of it? Was it the headline and the thumbnail and all that kind of stuff? Oh yeah, absolutely. Rather than the perfectionism mentality, it's much better to have the perfecting mentality because for the latter, you just get the data up there and you keep polishing. And one of the surprises you'll notice is that a lot of your content pieces, which have the smallest views, surprisingly can make you the most amount of money. And just to give you an example of this, there was this one video that I did a couple of months back regarding the cracking voice. You ever heard someone that's speaking and their voice cracks out of nowhere? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it, this happens with singers a lot, but every now and then it happens with speakers. So not too many people watch that video because if you think about it, it's not like a big mainstream topic. But the few people who did watch it wanted to book a consulting call with me. And two of those people turned into clients. So a lot of the times, even the numbers can be accurate inaccurate where it doesn't get much views but in the back end it's making you some profits that leads us perfectly onto something else i wanted to discuss with you which is exactly that you know you've got within your content strategy you have traffic content for for growth and for reach but that could be the kind of viral stuff that doesn't necessarily convert but it it gains you gains you followers it's usually particularly on twitter it's the the controversial stuff. It's the things which rustle a few jimmies. Um, the things which have grown on Twitter for me the most in terms of followers have always been the most controversial stuff. You know, if I throw rocks, we talk about throwing rocks at your enemies in terms of building your brand. So, right. you know, I, I often make fun of uh, keto and vegans and kettlebells and that. And, and it's not because I've got any personal beef with uh, well, apart from the vegans, because they don't eat beef, but um, <laughs> the, it, it, I haven't got any personal beef with those kind of things. It's just that I know that that's going to split the audience into pros and, and cons. And the ones who the ones who don't like it are going to comment and, you know, get angry at me with their pitchforks. And the ones who do are going to comment as well and all going to like it and share it. So it works very well from from that perspective. But then you also have the, the conversion content like you said about this video which isn't something which is going to have mass appeal but the people who find that video or search for that keyword are going to be like oh my god this guy understands my problem intimately and i'm going to sign up with a coaching call with him and so this is something that i think you've executed really well from a business perspective and i think anyone can learn this from you um or from from seeing how you've built your your brand which is that You've picked a very specific problem to solve, a very specific kind of 
message. And and you've also, in the way that you brand yourself, the way that you have your your bio, your social media set up, it's like, look, here is a cordoned off area of my expertise. I practice what I preach and I teach what I know, but this is what this is what I help people with. And so it's a very specific result rather than trying to kind of cover all areas. Now, there are some people, particularly on Twitter, who kind of are general gurus and they, they have opinions on everything. No, but, yeah. but, you know, they, they can maybe get some following, but they're, they're probably not people that you would hire for a specific result, are they? So um, I think seeing the way that you've done this, where you've said, right, I am the the speaking communication guy and building out your your brand from there means that every follower that you have is worth much more than someone who kind of just casts their net really wide. Yes. And it takes some time to even discover those particular skill sets, which helps if you are actually practicing what you're preaching, because then what you consider to be normal is considered insights for someone else. So for example, with you, I could tell that you take your diet very seriously and for someone that doesn't know much about diet, they have a very general outlook of that. So you simply sharing what you eat for the day is going to be gold for that person. They're going to be like, oh, I actually didn't know that having a diet can taste good. Where a lot of people, when they think diet, they think automatically the food has to taste bad. So if you practice what you preach, I mean, that's one of the best ways to find your target niche of people. Because you want to ask the question, is my skill set capable of benefiting at least one person? If it's capable of benefiting one person, can it benefit 10 people? And that 10 people can turn into 100. So rather than thinking super general from the get-go, think like a bull. And one of the best ways is to just keep practicing what you're preaching and a niche is going to slowly form around you. So helping a specific person rather than trying to try to help everyone at once and i think the the other point you raised there of what you eat in a day for example might have become so normalized to you that you just think well there's no real value in that like why would anyone want to know about that but it does take a lot of a lot of empathy to take a step back and think oh actually would would the version of me one one decade ago or five years ago want to know about this and you're like well probably yeah so um trying to put your your head back in the <laughs> i'm gonna say put your head back in the shoes of the people who uh who haven't got the result that you're looking for and saying okay how can i lay out this journey so that it's as stepwise as possible and creating that customer journey right from the beginning up to your content and then through the buying process absolutely i mean here's a uh, content creation a cheat code this will lead to unlimited infinite content. Just give advice to your younger self. You do this enough, what happens is with creativity, you need a little bit, not too much, but a little bit of wonder, a little bit of inner child in you. And you could even say a spirit or whatever that gets you thinking big. And whenever you give advice to your younger self, you fully create the flow state because the Systematic definition of flow state is when time does not exist. The person gets lost. And I'm sure you've had moments like this when you're so productive and the time is just going on by, right? So when you're giving advice to your younger self, 
you're doing something very miraculous. Your present day self is going to your younger self. Your younger self is seeing a future self. And at this moment, time is becoming blurred, which allows you to forcefully reach flow state rather than read like 10 different books on it. Like you got to do this, you got to do that. You got to sit in this way. You just have a simple framework. Would this benefit myself from five years ago, 10 years ago, and such? And this allows you to unlock emotional intelligence as well, where you can be like, huh, something that's comfortable with me was something that was a pain point. And since it was a pain point for me, I wonder if it's a pain point for someone else. And this is when you have hyper-targeted problems that you're solving that competition other people never even dreamed of because they're focusing too much on outside market research rather than focusing on inner market research as well. Obviously, you got to factor in both, but if you could also factor in inner, which is completely brushed over nowadays, now you got that huge advantage. And that's a that's a great framework now to to just generate content that is specific, gets the traffic, gets the conversions, pulls people into your world, and achieves them a specific result. And at the end of the day, yes, there's you you're probably listening and thinking, bloody hell, that's a lot of content this guy's bashing out, and it's all very focused around a specific result. But from from that, we know that aiming for them. And aiming for a specific thing rather than trying to appeal to everyone is is paradoxically going to get you more clients because it's it's something which is offering value for that result and then people are gonna are gonna, are gonna follow up with that. So we've got everything from building the confidence, getting over the perfectionism, the the marketing strategy, the content strategy. Now moving into selling, what's your what's your process from You've now got a pool of organic following. I don't know if you use any paid ads as well, but what do you do from that point to um, selling people onto your program? And what's the difference between your free content and the stuff that you advise in there and then your paid content? Sure. So at the time, I don't do any paid. Uh, the Armani Talks brand is purely running through organic for the time being, which allows different offers to be provided. I have a couple of low-tier offers, which range from journals to short story books, along with a few longer books. Then I have digital products as well, where it's a bit more expensive than the products on Amazon. And then I also have one-on-one -on -one coaching. And this is much different than the content, mainly because I'm directly working with these people. And I could work on very specific pain point issues, and it's more so a coaching, okay? So that's something that I do with one-on-one. -on -one. And I also have a group package as well, which I don't do too much of. I do it with certain people. And this allows the people that I'm working with to have an audience to practice in front of. So it's killing three birds with one stone. I get, they get the results, and they also get a commodity built in the process as well. And traditionally, most of the people that find me, they have consumed at least three to four pieces of my content beforehand. So they know what I offer. And that's when they book the, the free call. So it's not of me being like, wait, where are you coming from? The form that they fill out 
I know exactly what they're trying to improve. I'm seeing if I could help them or not. And if I can't help them, I'll accept the call and then we'll just carry it out from there. And another part of my business, Yusuf, I haven't bought this up too much. Uh, I am a part of a business networking group in Tampa, or I was before. So a lot of you know, online branding comes through referral marketing. So you know someone who knows someone that's looking to start a YouTube channel and tips, that'll be a referral. So I have a variety of sources, but it traditionally comes from organic and referral. And then they'll choose which offer works for them. And then it will happen from there. There's a few things in there. The referral marketing simply works from having a, such a good product that people want to talk about it and people want to say to their friends, like, hey, this is great, get in touch. So it's cool that that stuff can kind of tick away in the background. And then what you've also got is the is, is the tagging or the, the tracking of, I know that someone has seen this piece of content and that has led them to book a call, which has then converted at this percentage, for example. And so knowing where your clients are coming from and recognizing, okay, that worked well. And so relate, if I make some related videos around this particular topic, then that's going to funnel more people in through the same route. Really helpful to be able to look back on your business as a full dashboard and say, okay, I want more of these people, less of these people or whatever else. Um, and we certainly find that between platforms, between content, that people convert differently. We With podcast people, I think it's about three pounds a download um, from from how well it converts compared to YouTube, which is much less, but you can reach more people. So it's kind of about a mixture of getting the reach, but also having a high conversion medium too. And what you've got there in terms of your product offering is by the sound of it, three, three layers of, you've got low access to you, which is a passive information product and presumably gets people up to the point where they're like, okay, I've got a lot of value from this and I've, I can see that Armani is legit here. I, you know, I've, I've paid with a, a low risk amount of money, like $50 or less. And I'm happy to upgrade to the, the middle grade program, which is your group coaching. And that has the, um, the accountability and the, the community aspect of it. So people can actually practice with each other, which is a, an awesome idea to be able to create, to create that online and actually for them to be effectively training each other. Uh, it's not it's not really a luxury that we have in fitness. I suppose you can you can you can do some kind of um, Zoom accountability thing, but it's not as uh, gym buddies. Yeah, it's a little, <laughs> little bit less um, straightforward. And then you've got the high end coaching, which is very bespoke and working with someone directly to to really dig into their problem more deeply. Absolutely, and and also one thing that I didn't include is that. With certain platforms, you could also run advertisements, which is one of the things I love about YouTube. You could, once you reach 4,000 watch hours and 1,000 subscribers, you could monetize your videos just through it paying, uh, playing some ads. So that's uh, some of the passive income side of things. But yeah, you, you nailed it. I mean, I highly recommend having a, a, a little bit of an offering for different people that are looking to find you in different ways. And if you're someone who enjoys communicating a lot and you're someone who doesn't want to show yourself too much, I mean, nowadays, writing books, 
becoming self-published. These are all options. So there's so many different opportunities. It really comes down to crafting a business that you could do long-term. That's sort of an extension of your personality rather than it always feeling like you're moving a boulder up the hill. So the more congruent that you are, the more that multiple parties win because you show up with a fun attitude rather than like, ah, this is just for a paycheck kind of attitude. Yeah, that's a huge point. Like being able to turn up and, and enjoy what you're doing. And, you know, the, even if you're doing something which is working from a online marketing perspective, but if you're hating every minute of it, like, is this job really, or is this business really fitting your lifestyle or has it become a job? And so, yeah, I think that's a, that's a huge point. The thing that's I like kills, about, sorry, mm-hmm. go ahead. No, well, that's what kills people who are consistent versus inconsistent. Where if I'm over here, you know, speaking about veganism for months and months, and I don't even, I'm not even a vegan myself. I mean, this is just going to be another job that I picked up. And it's going to be way more effort than a person who's naturally a vegan. You see what I'm saying? That this concept comes up so much in sales as well, that if you don't believe in the product that you're selling, it's so hard to stay congruent with that. You know, if you're working for a double glazing window sales company and you don't have double glazing yourself and you don't see the value in it, that's going to come through unconsciously. Like your your leads are going to feel that difference compared to if it's something that you personally use and you say, you know what, man, like this is great and this this is a good deal for you and it's going to help it's going to help you it's going to help me there's a lot more authenticity with that too oh yeah absolutely and it's it's as though they're answering people's questions even before they have them you could notice little micro body language moves that someone who doesn't have any skin in the game won't even acknowledge them they're going off talking points while the other person is going through a little bit of passion plus experience as well so when those two come together, I mean, you got a monster at that point. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. It, it's pretty magical. Well, Armani, this has been fantastic. Like we've talked, we've been through everything from building your audience to creating content to selling your program and some of the stuff on, on your delivery as well. So um, is there anything else that you wanted to advise to our audience or um, or to mention that we haven't covered yet? Well, one thing that I would mention is that, you know, just start because since working with a lot of different entrepreneurs behind the scenes, I've come to notice a lot of different personality types. And one of the common things that's consistently holding people back is where they're like, um, there has to be th- this one particular moment. And once this particular moment happens, then I'm good to go. Diet starts Monday. The diet starts Monday and... I don't know, like a whole bunch of different stuff like that. But that's actually school thinking in the real world. In school, we had a teacher that says, this Wednesday, you're having a test. You stop studying by the day before Wednesday. And this is your day. And subconsciously, a lot of people are taking that form of thinking into the real world and keep being like, oh, well, one day that day will come. And I've seen, I'm talking like people that straight out of college all the way to CEOs of companies with that same roadblock. So I recommend you just start. And a lot of the times you'll be surprised. Something that's a weakness that you consider can turn into one of your biggest strengths. Like right now, 
I have an accent from when I first moved into the country. And before, it was something that would hold me back. Nowadays, a lot of my clients came to me. They're like, I decided to mainly put you because you look kind of like me, you kind of sound like me, and the other people are way too polished. So what was holding me back before is actually a strength nowadays for a specific group of people. So for your audience, I just recommend they start, uh, they take some action, and they have fun along the process. Because without fun, the creation, storytelling, communicating your message becomes a whole bunch of effort, and eventually you're going to burn out. So keep trying to put fun into your business strategy in one way, shape, or form, and consistency is just going to be a byproduct of that. Wise words, man. Yeah, I love that. And in terms of staying authentic as well, as you say, just being being comfortable with the fact that you're never going to be TV quality polished. And even if you are, it's not credible. It's not trustworthy. We see these Instagram influencers with the kind of perfect physiques. And everyone knows that they don't look like that all the time. They they look like that for for that particular shoot that they did on a sunny beach in Bali and with the good lighting and the fake tan and all that stuff. And you're like, it, it's not relatable. And people don't buy coaches which they see as totally unattainable. It has to be something which they see like, ah, okay, this person has put in the work and they have got to this stage and I can see myself in that position if I if I do the same and they've laid out the method for me. So yeah, I think that is... Absolutely, you nailed it. There we go. Cool. Well, how can we find out more about you? You can find out more about me on armani.com. That has all my different uh, stories, blogs, YouTube channels, the books, everything centralized in one location. And you could also join my newsletter from there where I send out a brand new short story daily to help you out with one of the following topics, public speaking, social skills, emotional intelligence, creativity, storytelling, or level of mentality. So thank you again, Yusuf, for having me on. It was a pleasure and you're an amazing interviewer as well. Man, it's, it has been a pleasure. And and yeah, if you have a look on armanitalks.com, the man is prolific. There, there is hundreds of hours of stuff in there that will address basically every facet of those uh, five domains that he's talked about. Armani, thank you. Thank you, Yusuf. Want to learn more about the systems we use to run, build, and scale propanefitness.com? Head over to propanefitness.com forward slash business podcast and you can get your hands on our free training that covers the seven steps that we take with every client that we help build their own online business and also the seven steps that we use to successfully build Propane Fitness. We walk through the sales systems, the delivery systems, follow-up, remarketing, how to basically build your program so that it delivers coaching to your clients without you being there 24-7. We really do cover the full thing, right? And if you want to continue even further and potentially work with us, there's a chance to book in a call to have an informal chat with Yusuf or I to just basically see if any of our programs would be a fit to help you get from where you are to where you want to get to. So go to propanefitness.com forward slash business podcast today and get access to that. 
If you'd like to learn just more about Yusuf and I, more about us, what we do, follow us on the various channels, the best place to go is our YouTube channel. We have a load of stuff from fitness content, productivity content, why Yusuf slept on the floor for several months, why he's been having cold showers. There's always stuff on there that's entertaining and hopefully informative. So just go to YouTube, search for Propane Fitness, and you can find out a bit more about us there as well. Speak to you on the next episode.